church, how are you? Are you having a good morning or a good evening? Are you snuggled in? Are you watching with your friends? Are you watching in your neighborhood gathering? Are you watching in your home gathering? Wherever you find yourself, or you could be on a job. I just want you to know I'm so glad you're at church today because I have a word on my heart and I'm so excited to share it with each and every one of you. Something that is hilarious between Earl and I, we both love seeing purpose and potential in people even when they're at their lowest, worst point. For whatever reason, God has given us these love goggles so that no matter what season you find yourself in, we see you in your next season and we can see past whatever weight or storm is holding you back. And the same thing is true for me when it even comes to homes. I love looking at old homes and I love driving around and looking at homes that have character and I love walking into those homes and seeing what could be. You know, sometimes a house can look really run down and people will just drive by it. But if you have the right eyes, if you have the right vision, you can imagine what would that look like with everything painted white? What would it look like with a glass clear door? What would it look like if I ripped up these linoleum floors and stained the concrete or did hardwood floors? What would it look like if I changed out the cabinets and put in fresh new knobs and light fixtures? How many people love fixer-uppers? Say it in the chats. How many people love making houses beautiful and taking them from one place to another? Earl, on the other hand, he likes brand new. New builds, no work, because he got burned when we were newlyweds. We bought this house that had a lot of potential. What we thought was a weekend project ended up getting our whole family sick because of the fumes. We had to move out of our house. We are not fix-it people, and from that moment on, Earl has been scarred. And so anything that needs TLC, he's like, bye. I don't have time for that. But something that all of us have in common in 2020, hashtag 2020, bless, pour it out, poured out for the homies. We have all felt like at times where our house has just been demolished. When every room needs to be refurbished, remodeled, stripped, renovated. Some of you have been living your best life in 2020 and you're thinking, I don't know what everybody's talking about. Things have been good for me. I've been getting promotions, favor, doing all the great things and we celebrate that and we are happy for you. But that is not my testimony. <laughs> 2020 has been real, and for many of us, we look at our situation, or we look at our houses, our proverbial houses, and we think, God, can you possibly work with this? God, can you possibly see something different than what's staring me right in the face? God, I need fresh vision. God, I need fresh insight, but I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of the weight of this world. I'm tired of all the negativity. I'm tired of the disunity. I'm tired of people not coming together. I'm just tired and I'm looking at my situation and it feels helpless and hopeless. Well, as I was praying, God gave me a word for myself and for all of you. And it is faith for your future. Faith for your future. Faith for your future. And I'm believing that today that my heart is going to be stirred, that your heart's going to be stirred, and that you're going to have faith as you step into this next season, and that you're going to see things look with freshness. You're going to see your marriage and say, you know what? Right now, my husband is getting on my nerves, but God, I ask that you would give me faith to see past this current situation. Right now, my children are keeping me up all night because they're arguing and they're fighting and they're tired of being on Zoom and virtual classrooms and they're just chaotic. My house is not peaceful. God, give me fresh eyes. 
I'm praying that right now if you're business and you don't have the sales that you're trusting for, that by the time we're done with this message, that you're going to be encouraged and inspired to keep crushing it and that you're going to have fresh faith, fresh hope for breakthrough for your family, for your life, for your business, for your mind, for your health, and for your body. Because guess what? Not having faith, being discouraged, filled with doubt, and filled with fear, it isn't helping us anyways. It's not getting us anywhere. So we might as well change our posture. We might as well have faith for our future. Say it in the chat, faith for my future. Write it on your mirror, faith for my future. Put it in your phone, faith for my future. Faith for the future. However you want to word it, whatever will help you remember it. But we all need faith for our future. Here's the deal. 2020 is trying to make us lose our faith. 2020 trying to rob us, trying to just take everything. But guess what? We're going to stand up. We're not going to be bullied by all the stress of this world. We're not going to be bullied by this pandemic. We're not going to be bullied by who's going to be in office. We're going to have faith and put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. Because on Christ's solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Here's the deal. What's so funny is anytime I get ready for a message, I get excited at first because I'm like, yes, God, faith for our future. Faith for our future. My nose is running, which is so funny, TMI, but this building is very cold, and Earl makes fun of me, and everyone's always like, why is the building so cold? And Earl always wants to wear this big, heavy coat anytime he's in the building, and his nose runs, and now I feel you, honey. I see you because my nose feels like it's, I'm going to just touch it a little. Okay, I think it's okay. Faith for my future. Just keeping it real. We're a family here. Yep, the building's cold. My nose is running, but that's okay. But like I said, as I was preparing and as I was studying, when God first gave me the title, it dropped in my spirit, faith for your future, faith for my future. I'm like, yes, let's go. 2020 is not getting the best of me. I want faith. Give me the gift of faith. Stir up the faith on the inside of me. And literally as I was texting, as I was studying, I got a text message because we're planning to gather together as a church. Church has always been open. But we're gathering in a bigger group coming up soon. And of course, here in Dallas, the threat level changes. Or there's different color codes if you live in Dallas. And it changed. The color changed, which means we just have to be extra careful. So I thought, oh, here I am studying about faith. How am I going to respond? I'm going to think, oh, we must have missed it. Maybe we shouldn't get together. Maybe, we, maybe this is never going to change. Maybe every time we try to open, we're going to have to close and open and close. And all of a sudden, I felt these thoughts flooding my mind, this discouragement and this doubt. And I was like, ah, I'm speaking on faith. How am I going to proceed in this moment? Am I going to trust God that he has his church, that he has every single family? Because at the end of the day, we miss being together in the larger setting. We love these home gatherings. These neighborhood gatherings are incredible. But many of you are hurting. Many of us are hurting because we haven't been able to be together in a larger gathering. So we, were so, we are so excited to come together. But, of course, life happens. So we're still coming together, but we're going to play it safe. We're going to wear our masks. We're going to do our distancing and all the things. And we're going to trust God. But at the end of the day, even when you make a plan, sometimes just life happens. And you have to decide, how am I going to respond? So even as I've been preparing this message, my faith has been tested, so tested, so stretched. I mean, it's even faith right now that I'm talking with all of y'all. Literally on the way here, I was ready to say, Earl, you got this one. 
I'm throwing you the ball because I'm being tested. My faith is being tested and stretched, but I'm trusting it even as I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself and I'm believing that the spirit of God is going to rise up on the inside of me and that I'm going to decrease so that God would increase and that my words would not be the thing that changes your life, but that Jesus Christ would meet you at your home, meet you in your car, meet you on your job, and your faith would be stirred and lifted. Hebrews. Now faith is. This is what faith is. Faith shows the reality. Listen to this, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The evidence of things we cannot see. I think about evidence. We have a little girl. Her name is Ellen. She's five years old, and she has a trouble telling the truth. She's a Christian, but she's kind of on her way to being a fully devoted follower of Christ. She's, she's on the journey. Um, we've asked her the other day because her behavior sometimes is con it conflicts us. We're wondering, is she Christian? Because she's a little gangster. But she said she accepted Jesus into her heart, so we're going with it. But sometimes her actions don't line up. And so sometimes she doesn't tell the whole truth or the whole story. But there's evidence when she's not telling the truth. Because I can tell when her lips are all red and she said she didn't have a lollipop, I see the evidence that she had a lollipop. So faith is the re shows the reality of what we hope for, but is the evidence of things we cannot see. The evidence of things we cannot see. And right now our world is trying to bully us, is trying to threaten us, is trying to throw every single distraction in front of us to make us focus on that thing. But there's something beyond what's in front of us. There's hope. There's joy. There's love. There's peace. There's provision. But we have to ask God to give us eyes of faith so we can see past what's trying to bully us and what's trying to tear us down. Faith comprehends its fact. Listen to this. Faith comprehends its fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. Faith comprehends its fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Isn't that good? It comprehends as fact what can't be seen. So that, that's maturity. That's emotional intelligence to approach life that way. Because faith is not fear. Faith is looking beyond your circumstance. It's not being weird. Sometimes people make faith weird where they think you're just out of the blue, not, you know, not doing the best that you can, but just telling yourself, you know what, a job's coming. But you're not looking for a job. You're not texting people, asking for a job. You're not getting on all the things. I haven't looked for a job in a minute, but I don't know. Do you still use LinkedIn? Do you still use Monster? I don't know. But <laughs> that's so old, right? But however you find jobs these days, it's one thing to say, I have faith that I'm getting a job, but I'm not doing anything about it. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about faith. I remember I was in college. I went to a Christian school that was, it was amazing. I met some of my best friends. I met Earl there. So I will never regret that decision. I met some of my best friends there. But some of the people there would be a little extra, extra with faith. You know, the people that just take it to the, you know, they just take it to the hilt, to the tilt. They just take it too far where there's, they have the flu and they're like, I'm healed. But you're like, wait, you need a care package right now. You, you need some soup. You need some hot tea with some honey and some lemon. And I'm going to pray for you, but you got the flu. So it's okay to acknowledge reality. 
But what faith does is you acknowledge reality, but you see past and you welcome the future with hope. You welcome the future with joy. You don't just stay there. Does that make sense? You with me? But faith is awesome, and sometimes it gets a bad rap by people who are a little extra, extra. But here's the deal. I love this. Faith is not fear. And faith is approaching a situation. You go to the doctors. Boy, is going to the doctors changed. Now, you know, we all wear our masks. It's just different. Everyone's a little bit more on edge because of all that we're facing. But many of us go to the doctor. You get a bad report. So faith is not, faith is not lying about the report that you got. Faith is saying, you know what, I see what's on this paper, but I also see what's in scripture, and I'm going to believe God with every fiber in my being that by his stripes I am healed. Faith is being told that your child has a learning disability, and faith is not ignoring that report that you got from the teacher. Faith is saying, I'll do the hard work, I'll do the tutoring, I'll surround and equip my child, but it's also while your child is sleeping, walking past the bedroom and saying, Father God, I thank you that my son or daughter has the mind of Christ. I thank you that the best days are ahead. I thank you there's no limit on my child. I thank you that there's no ceiling on my child. Faith is not watching The Bachelor over and over again, thinking I'm never going to be married, I'm never going to get a rose, that's never going to be my testimony. Faith is still you know, no judgment. Do your bachelor, do your thing, but don't let that cause you to get into a place where you think that's not gonna, I'm never gonna fall in love. Faith is saying, even though I've been single for a minute, I'm not gonna let that challenge my self-worth. I'm not gonna be plagued with fear that I'm gonna be lonely by myself. Faith is saying, even in my present, I'm alone right now, but I'm calling down heaven for a fine 6-2, Carmel, man with biceps, who loves Jesus, who loves the word of God, who prays. That's what I did. For real, true story. I literally, back in the day, we used to have this thing at our church called intercessory prayer. And that's old school. I don't know how many knows about intercessory prayer. But intercessory prayer is when you pray, it's when the saints pray. It's when you pray, when, when it's early, it's at a random time, six in the morning sometimes, you just go. And I would go to intercessory prayer. I was single. I decided, you know what? I've been dating all these people that just do not have my best interest in mind. I'm going to just, this is for somebody right now. This is for my single sisters, my single brothers right now. First of all, don't settle. God has your very best for you. And I'm praying that this is going to stir up your faith to stop settling. So I just got to this point, I'm not settling anymore. I'm surrendering my singleness to Jesus. I'm going to date Jesus. I'm going to do this, but I'm going to trust God. My circumstances say I'm not dating right now, but I have faith that God's going to bring someone into my life. So I marched myself up to that church. I got down on my knees at intercessory prayer, and I started praying for my spouse that I did not even know yet. And boom, years later, I met him. But I had to have faith. I had to have faith that God was going to meet me where I was at, and he did. So whatever you're facing... Faith is acknowledging the reality, but it's also saying, God, give me a supernatural lens. Help me to see past my situation. So many of us are staying in our current situation, and we're filled with fear. We're filled with depression. We're filled with not stepping out of the boat because we're just locked in our current situation. But we have to see past 
what's in front of us, but it only happens when we ask God to help us see that. It doesn't happen on your own. You have to say, God, help me to approach this situation with faith. Give me some evidence because right now I don't see any evidence. I don't see any clues. The bills keep coming. I still don't have a job. My husband and I still keep arguing. I'm still not getting the grades I want in school. I still have this addiction. God, give me some evidence to know that you've got my back. But stop being, stop being downcast and say, God, give me some faith. Give me some hope. And he will. Faith is not waiting to put Jesus on the throne of your heart until your desired person becomes president. That is not faith. That is foolishness. God is not moved by who's in office. He can move no matter who's in office. And even though we're passionate, like if so-and-so gets in office, this world is going to get better. They're going to handle everything. Or if so-and-so stays in office, everything's going to be okay. Here's the deal. God is bigger than all of that. Say all of that. Somebody need to hear that. Because we have taken, Earl's been saying this pretty much during the whole pandemic, and it finally clicked that we just need to be reminded, so I'm going to echo what he's been saying so beautifully, that Jesus is bigger than whoever is in office. Yes, we're going to vote. Yes, we're going to be responsible. Yes, we all have our opinions and our differences, and that's okay. But we cannot lose faith and lose hope if the outcome is not what we hoped it to be. Do you think that all of a sudden Jesus is gone because the person that we wanted to be in the White House is in the White House? He is bigger than even that. That's just mine. You know, I've, I've gotten discouraged at times this, this whole COVID season just like you. And I've had moments where I've had to remember that God is in charge because sometimes the circumstances that are in front of us seem like they're more in charge than God. But God is still on the throne. He is still faithful. He is still able. He's still almighty. He is still powerful even when it feels like all hell is breaking loose. That was for somebody. I don't know who that was for, but it was for somebody. We've all had situations, I know me personally, where I've stepped into a situation with faith, with boldness, and with conviction, and I've had other situations where I've shrunk back. But I'm deciding right now, just like I want you to decide right now, no more shrinking back. I'm going to step in confidence, I'm going to step in boldness, and I'm going to trust God that he's going to meet me there. My situation may not have changed yet, but God, give me faith, give me hope, give me peace, give me perseverance. Your family member might not be responding the way you want them to. God, help me to see past the situation that seems impossible and give me the faith to keep going. I feel like if something clicks in each of us today, if something shifts, we will have the endurance that we need to continue on this journey because it is, we are not guaranteed that boom in an instant, life is just going to change and go back to how we know it. It could be a minute before life goes back to exactly how we remember it. So how are we going to respond? Are we going to give up? Or are we going to say, God, enough is enough. I need some faith. I need you to stir up the gift of faith on the inside of me. I want to look at my situation with fresh eyes, with fresh lenses. My perspective has been off. Would you renew my mind? Would you strengthen my heart? Would you stir my faith? Would you activate it so that I can see with eyes of hope? I can step into situations that are weighed down with fear and that faith will rise up on the inside of me and I will pray bold prayers. I will read my Bible by faith. I will show up in connect groups by faith. I will go to that neighborhood gathering by faith. I will pray for my spouse who's not yet a Christian 
by faith. I will walk by my teenager's room who's acting crazy, and I'll say, God, you have my son. You have my daughter. You have a plan and purpose for their life by faith. I will drive past that house that I'm believing God for one day while I'm in my little one-bedroom apartment, one bath. I know that one day I've been faithful. I've been giving. I've been serving. I've been loving. It is not my lot to stay in this one-bedroom house. One day I know that I'm going to have a house, but until then I'm going to use this house and have the best connect groups in the future. I'm going to have the best neighborhood gatherings. I'm going to get everyone that I know that's in my apartment to come to engage in church online, to engage in church I'm going to open up my patio. I'm going to do whatever it takes and make the best out of this situation. But that happens by faith. By faith. I got three things for you to remember today. Number one, this thing is real. This faith that I'm talking about, it is real. Some of you know my story. Some of you do not know my story. But I'll never forget this young girl who I was a young girl working at a clothing store who over and over again would invite me to church. And I just want to tell you that it was that invitation to church that changed my life. I am completely transformed. I'm a different person than I was before I gave my life to Christ. So I'm here to tell you that this thing is real, that Jesus is real, that he can take your situation, he can change it, he can transform it, he can rearrange it. It's a miracle that I have a strong marriage. It's a miracle neither Earl or myself grew up in a home with a husband and wife and children that did bedtime routines and made s'mores and sang songs and had dress-up nights. We didn't see any of that growing up. But God is a good God, and he is faithful, and he is real. We've stayed planted in God's house. We've stayed consistent. We've stayed persistent. And now we have a family that we are so thankful that we have and a marriage that we're so thankful that we have. But it is was by faith. It was by faith that we've always showed up at church. It's by faith that we always gave, even we didn't have enough money. It was by faith that we adopted two out of our three children. It was by faith that we started this church. It was by faith that I showed up tonight, even though I had a crazy week. I showed up today. Even though I had a crazy week, it was by faith that our serve team keeps serving even during a pandemic. It's by faith that many of you are at a neighborhood gathering. It's by faith that the team that's here making this service possible. It is by faith this kind of church that we are, Shoreline City, we are a by faith church. You've been adopted. You've been reminded that it is by faith. All the things that we see, it's by faith. None of us just like show up every day singing hymns and psalms and singing a new song to the Lord. We live a real life just like you live. But when you say, God, I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. Thank you that I do not have the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It is by faith. Say by faith in the chat. Say, God, my future is yours. Give me faith. This thing is real. This love that God has for you, it is real. The transforming power of Jesus is real. This is real. This is not make-believe. It's real people that show up here every Wednesday and pray for you. It's real people that when you text 97,000 that pray for you. It is real people. This thing is real. Number two, it's worth it. Remember that. This thing is real. It's worth it. And it's not about you. This thing is real, it's worth it, and it's not about you. The inconveniences that we've all, all had in this season, we're going to look back and go, it was worth it. 
It was worth it that we had to be innovative in the way that we do church. It was worth it that I'm in those chats right now loving on people. It is worth it that I'm setting the table for people to come to my neighborhood gathering. I don't even know if they're going to show up, but by faith I'm going to set the table. But you're going to look back, and you're going to get to pray with someone, and you're going to hear a story years from now, and you're going to go, you know what? I got up a little earlier but it was worth it. I came to church to take photos that people were looking at five, ten years from now. It was worth it. I got behind a camera to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was worth it. I sang a song on a day that I didn't have the energy. It was worth it. This thing is real, and it is worth it. And I've had to remind myself that just like you're reminding yourself this very minute. All throughout this season, I've had to remind myself that it is worth it. Because we all have moments when it doesn't feel like the cost is worth it. But God reminded me, it is worth it. The other thing, it's not about you. It's not about your preferences. It's not about my preferences. It's not about being convenient. It's not about things going our way. There's other people on the other side of our faithfulness. There's other people on the other side of us not giving up. It's not about us. It's about the next person on the other side of our obedience. It's about the other people that are watching how we respond when the storm hits. So I want us to remember that. Put this in the chat. This thing is real. It's worth it. And it's not about you. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. This just shapes all of 2020 and just puts it right into perspective. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We don't look at the bills that we can't pay. We don't look at the time that we lost our temper. We don't look at are we going to go back into shelter in place or is life going to go back to normal. Let's listen to this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather the whole point of our time together today We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now, do we have toilet paper? Do we don't have toilet paper? Do I need to wipe down things with anti-bac? Do I not need to wipe down things with anti-bac? For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And what's so powerful about that scripture is when Paul was writing that, I love how he said our present troubles are small. Here's the deal. You need to know a little bit about the author. For him to say his present troubles were small, he was fighting for his life every single day. Every single day he was fighting for his life. Someone was wanting to kill him basically almost every day of his life. But he put it in perspective. Listen to this scripture. Listen to him talking. This is someone talking who was persecuted. This is someone talking who risked it all. And he said, it produces for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Man, fix our gaze on what not can't, what I cannot talk. Fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. So if you're seeing darkness right now, God, fix my gaze on you. If you're seeing sickness right now, God, fix my gaze on you. If you're seeing frustration right now, God, fix my gaze on you. Whatever is in front of you that's trying to stand between you and God, say, move it out of the way and say, God, I fix my eyes on you. It's storming all around me, but I'm locked in with you. I fix my gaze on you. I have peace even though there's a storm. I have no faith. I have fear. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. 
I have peace even though there's a storm. Even when I should be fearful right now, I'm saying that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I think about some of the strong women in our church. And when I read this line about our present troubles are small and won't last very long, I just, sometimes you're going to think about somebody who just has a little more spiritual abs than you do, a little more biceps than you do because they've had to do some heavier lifting. I think about Jennifer Mascara. She's an amazing mama in this house. And I think about how sometimes in this season, if we haven't been able to go to the park with Elle because it's been closed, and at the moment it feels like the end of the world because we want her to get to go to the park. But I think about my friend Jennifer Mascara, who is faithful, who is faith-filled, who is a woman of peace, a woman of strength, who just stands with this stature. But when she thinks about taking her little girl to the park, she has to make sure that it's a place where her daughter can play because her daughter has um, special needs. And so me being frustrated when the park is closed for Elle, that's small compared to what my sister Jennifer has to think about. She doesn't have as many parks to choose from that I get to choose from. And even though my situation in that moment is frustrating, sometimes you have to call someone who's been through a little more hell than you've been through to remind you that you're going to be okay. Sometimes you have to call someone whose marriage made it through an affair to know that your marriage is going to be okay. Sometimes you have to call someone who slayed pornography to know that you're going to get through pornography. Sometimes you have to call someone who had to go to a clinic for their eating disorder because it was that bad. And you need to hear their story to be encouraged that you're not going to be throwing up the rest of your life. Sometimes you got to get with someone who's lived a little more bleep than you have to remind yourself that my God is able, that my God is powerful, that my situation may look like it's not ever going to change, but I'm going to talk to Jesus, and I'm going to talk to someone who's already fought this, and I'm going to get hope, I'm going to get faith, and I'm going to get encouraged. Sometimes you need someone to put your situation in perspective. This thing is real. It's worth it. And here's the thing. It's not about us. It's about him. I got a couple more scriptures for you. Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3 is a story, it's a song, it's basically about grief. And it comes from the word lament. There was a war, I'm gonna read this to you. Chapter three in Lamentations, it's a personal lament, an expression of the pain that an individual experiences in the context of a national disaster. Pretty much 2020, I was reading Lamentations last night and I was like, oh, this chapter three just basically sums up 2020. But the amazing thing is it starts off heavy, but then you can see that it changes at the end. This year has been heavy, but we are going to have faith as a community that it is going to change. It's going to get better. We're going to look past. We're going to look for the evidence, and we're going to say, God, I trust you. Here we go. Verse 17. Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. Verse 18, I cry out, my splendor is gone. Okay, I'm going to tell you something a little light before it gets heavy. Verse 20 right here, or verse 18, I cry out, my splendor is gone. 2020, when the new year came, I was like, this is my year. This is my year of self-care. And I literally knighted 2020, my year of self-care, when I was going to get everything just right, like right, right. I was going to get some abs. 
I was going to get some definition in my calves and my muscles. I was just going to work on my spiritual body and my physical body. I was going to take care of some long overdue dental work, just keeping it real. 2020 was about to be mine. I was going to dominate it. And when I read Lamentations and it said, I cry out, my splendor is gone, y'all. It's gone. My sparkle is gone. Had to put some makeup on this to sparkle a little for y'all today. Because this author right here just painted it so clearly how many of us feel. Many of us feel like my splendor is gone. Just, it's gone. Everything I hope for from the Lord is lost. Verse 20. This is when the song changes a little bit. You know when you're listening to a song and it just changes a little bit, you think it's going one direction or you watch a movie and all of a sudden there's a plot twist? I just want you to know that 2020, there's a plot twist. There's a plot twist. There's a plot twist. Verse 20. I never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And many of us have lost many things during this season. Many of us. Verse 21. Yet. Everybody say yet. Say yet in the chat. Say yet to yourself. Yet I still dare to hope. Dare to hope. I dare you to hope. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember the faithful love of God never ends. His mercies never cease. Verse 21, yet I still dare to hope when I remember that God is faithful. I still dare to hope that he brought me from a single home with a single mom who did her very best. I still dare to hope that I know that there will be a day that there'll be shoreline cities all over the world. I still dare to hope that this pandemic is not going to hold back the church. I still dare to hope that your marriage will be restored, that your mind will be renewed. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself and you got to dare to hope again. I dare you to hope again. Put it in the chats. I dare you to hope again. So good. Verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. And when the author there was writing mercies, mercy right there actually means a womb, like a mother's womb. God is carrying you in his womb of love. He is surrounding your situation. But just like a mother nurtures and carries a baby in her womb, that mercy right there, he is carrying you in his womb. Think about the nutrition and the care that a mom gives to a newborn or a baby when she's carrying it. That is the same type of love and compassion that God is carrying you through in this season. Great is his faithfulness, verse 23. His mercies are afresh each morning. Sometimes we gotta say, God, I need a fresh mercy for this day. A fresh mercy, not old mercy, not let's years mercy, but I need fresh mercy. I say to myself, I need you to say it to yourself. Turn me up in the speaker so I can hear myself. I need to say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I put my hope in him. The Lord is my inheritance. I put my marriage in him. The Lord is my inheritance. I put my mind in him. The Lord is my inheritance. I trust my kids with him. I put my hope in God. I put my hope in Jesus Christ. As we prepare to end our time together, I got to read just one more scripture. Hebrews 11, 13. They did not, this is this old school kind of faith. I'm going to end with some of the original gangsters of faith. Some people didn't have air conditioning. 
some people that didn't have the internet, that did not have phones, that did not have cards, some people that didn't get what was promised, some people that still believed God, that looked opposition in the face and said, if I die, I die, I'm gonna serve him no matter what. We're gonna call on the old school faith, the faith of our forefathers, the faith of the shoulders that we're standing on today. Hebrews 11:13. They did not read. This is old school. Everybody say old school faith. They did not receive what was promised. They didn't get the car. They didn't get the spouse. They didn't get the breakthrough. But they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. When I read that, I felt something prophetic come over me. And I feel like something prophetic is coming over you right now. And as the team continues to play with me, I want you to welcome something into your future because many of us are standing on blessings of people that welcomed it. I'm preaching this message today from other women who preach when women couldn't even preach. I'm preaching this woman to a multicultural, diverse church. There used to be a day when people would walk the floors and say, I see a day when black, white, Hispanic, Asian would come together and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but they had to welcome it. They had to welcome it when they couldn't see it, when it was impossible, when there were black only, white only signs, they had to welcome what we're walking into today. They weren't moved by who was in office. They were moved by what they couldn't see and they had to welcome it. They had to call it in. What do you need to welcome for the next generation? What do you need to welcome in the future? What do you need to welcome in your family? What do you need to welcome in your sister's family, in your brother's family? What do we need to welcome in the United States and around the world? We need to welcome peace. We need to welcome joy. We need to welcome praise. We need to welcome revival. And even if we don't see it in our lifetime, we're calling it in for our children's children because we're standing on the word of God and we're stirring up our faith, our hope, our trust. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about the name of Jesus, about the cross that he was beaten on, about the blood that was shed. And we're going to preach this gospel and we're going to declare his glory. Break 